0: Yeah. Let us pray. God, we act like we welcome you into our lives this morning when in reality, you welcome us. You welcome us into this space, you welcome us into your kingdom, you welcome us to ourselves. So for those of us here and for those who yearn to be here, we give you thanks that you welcome us home. Amen.
1: It is truly good to be here with you this morning as we listen for the word of God and what God has to say to us. Our scripture lesson this morning can be found in your program. It's taken from Mark chapter eight, verses 31 through 38. Please follow along if you choose. If you choose, then he began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if if any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Of his father with the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. God. I'd like to take a moment this morning just to share with you from a message titled Choices. One simple word, choices. As you know, during this Lenten season, we're talking about change, the theme across the season, change. And today, kind of the overarching topic is change is hard, change is hard. And I was thinking about change being hard, the one thing that kept surfacing over and over again were choices. What about choices makes change hard? And I was thinking about choices, it reminded me of one of my favorite memories of my childhood, which is growing up and sitting on the floor of my grandmother's house and watching television with her and we'd watch those old school game shows. Y'all know the old school game shows? You know, uh, Wheel of Fortune, Price is Right, Let's Make a Deal. The old school game shows. It's really a fond memory, and I can really remember this because back in the day, we didn't have a remote control. I was the remote control, (laughs) and I was the one who had to get up and turn the channel. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about here, but I I turned the channel for my grandmother from one to the other, but but we love those game shows. We love those game shows. Let's make a deal. The Price is Right, The Wheel of Fortune, and so on. Now now what was it about the game shows that I remember? There were these moments, these moments where the right choice at the right time could be life-changing for an individual or family. The right choice at the right time could be life-changing. Pick the right card, choose the right price, pick the right door, and you win. In some places, you, in some cases, you win so big, it's transformative. These life-changing moments all hinged on the contestants making the right choice. Choose right, pick the right door, and you're a winner. Choose wrong well, you had some fun, and now we'll send you home with a lifetime supply of mac and cheese or something like that. <laughs> but pick the door that works for you, choices. Choices were hard. The people were yelling. We were sitting in the living room with grandma door number two, door number two. We're yelling, trying to support them and trying to help them as they were making their choices. Sometimes the choices were easy. Sometimes the choices were hard. People never knew if they were making the right choice or not. And the game show host, even though they knew which door was the right door, they wouldn't tell you. You had to guess. Choices. As we look at our scripture lesson for today, Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38, the scripture is riddled with choices. There are choices all throughout this. Now, if we back up a little bit, though, back up a little bit before we get into this passage, we find that earlier in Mark chapter 8, Jesus is ministering to the crowds. Jesus is performing miracles. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. And Jesus begins to reveal his identity to his disciples. At one point, around verses 27 through 30, Jesus asks a question asking his disciples who they believe he is. And Peter answers the question. Peter says, you are the Messiah. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to remember that Peter knew the answer. Peter answered the question. Peter said, you are the Messiah. But he nor others fully understood the bigger picture and the implications of what it really meant for Jesus to be the Messiah. See, see, they were saying the same words, but not meaning the same thing or being on the same page. Peter knew the answer. See, family, we can know the answer, but still not know the plan. We can know the answer, but still not fully understand and be aware of what it really means. We can know the answer, yet still struggle with the test. And this morning scripture, we find Jesus adding some clarity. He's predicting his own suffering, predicting his death and his resurrection. This passage serves as a crucial and pivotal point and moment in his ministry because it reveals, he's revealing his true identity as the suffering Messiah. It shows that Jesus had a greater purpose beyond, beyond ministering, beyond performing miracles, beyond teaching, the ultimate purpose to give his life as a sacrifice for the salvation of humanity, to save us from our sins. In these scriptures, we also learned about the cost of discipleship, that following Jesus requires some choices, self-denial, taking up one's own cross, being willing to lose one's life for his sake. This challenges the disciples, and it challenges us to reevaluate our priorities and our commitment fully to knowing Jesus. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's inconvenient, it challenges us to face change and consider choices. Let's start with Peter's rebuke. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Like Peter, we often resist change because it challenges our understanding and our comfort. When Jesus predicted his suffering and death and resurrection, Peter rebuked him, watch this, because Peter was unable to comprehend the necessity for such a change. It did not fit with Peter's mental model of what a Messiah was. It didn't resonate, it wasn't there. Who would choose this? Jesus was not choosing the course of least resistance. He was making a choice, he was engaged in something, he was talking about something that Peter did not fully understand. So he was rebuked by Peter. The Greek word for the word rebuke here translates into expressing disapproval or criticism. Peter did not approve, he disapproved of what Jesus was saying. He disapproved of the thought, he was critical of, watch this, the words Jesus spoke, the picture that Jesus painted and the future that Jesus foretold. Peter's rebuke of Jesus, is a good example of our, our human being, our unwillingness or inability to fully understand divine change. Like other disciples, Peter had certain expectations and assumptions about what the Messiah would be and what his ministry would entail. Peter had assumptions of what power would look like. I wonder if we still make those same assumptions today. Peter had an assumption about what control looked like. Boastful, strong, a conquering Messiah, a powerful king who would put you in your place and set you straight. Reign with a heavy hand. No, no, no. When Jesus began to speak about his impending suffering and his death and his resurrection, it went against Peter's understanding of how things should unfold. It challenged the paradigm. Peter's rebuke was likely, watch this, likely driven by his love and loyalty to Jesus. Peter probably felt confused, disappointed, even fearful. He wasn't just being mean and uncooperative. I mean, what Jesus was saying was unimaginable to him. Peter was trying to hold on to Jesus, maybe even protect Jesus. But the lesson here, family, watch this. The lesson here is that holding on to Jesus requires us to let go of the limitations of our human expectations. That might be worth saying again. Holding on to Jesus requires us to let go of the limitations of our human expectations. It requires us To face change with the choices through the lens that Jesus gives us. Peter's reaction is a natural human response to change. So don't judge Peter. It's a natural response. It's a change that challenges our preconceived notions and beliefs. Has a change or choice ever challenged your preconceived notion? Has a change or challenge ever challenged your preconceived belief? Have you ever faced something? so counter to what you thought it should be or was going to be that you felt like rebuking God? Peter represents the struggle we often face in accepting and understanding God's plan, especially when that plan differs from ours. Peter's rebuke highlights this tension, this tension between our understanding and God's wisdom, our understanding and God's wisdom, and it serves as a reminder that faith requires trust in God, trust in God, even when the choices we face are beyond our comprehension. This trust in God, even when the choices before me are beyond my own comprehension. It requires faith and a willingness to accept Jesus' teachings, even when they challenge us and what we want. The cost of discipleship is followed by this. Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. It's a call to embrace change and sacrifice. It requires us to let go of our own desires and agendas. Does anybody have a desire or agenda? Anybody got an agenda? You ever go into a not just a meeting, but into a family meeting an office meeting with what you want to happen? You ever walk in there with your list? This is what I want. And if I don't get what I want, it's not going to change. We all have agendas. We all have desires, and this, watch this, requires us to trust God's plan over our agenda because God knows what's ultimately good for us. While this may seem daunting, Jesus assures us that the reward outweighs the cost. There's some lines in here I want to talk about because I find them fascinating and powerful. Deny themselves, deny, deny themselves, letting go of selfish ambitions letting go of materialistic desires, letting go of ego-driven pursuits. Has anybody ever been driven by their ego in here? It involves putting the needs of others before one's own. What, wait, what? You want me to put somebody else's need above my need? You, you, Jesus want me to look out for somebody else before me? Are you, are you serious? It means living a life of humility. Humility? Isn't that a weakness? No, it's a strength. In a life of service, service, take up their cross, embracing the difficulties and challenges that may come with following Jesus. You want me to voluntarily think about this cross thing? You You want me to face and embrace difficulty, not just deal with it, but embrace it? It means being willing to endure suffering, rejection, and hardship for the sake of one's faith and commitment to Jesus. It means avoiding the course of least resistance and the path of least resistance. Our faith does not take us down the path of least resistance, family. Denying oneself and taking up one's cross means living a life of self sacrifice, service, and commitment commitment to following Jesus, even when it is difficult, unpopular, and inconvenient. It is about aligning, listen to this right here, it is about aligning our priorities and values with those of Jesus seeking to bring his kingdom values of love and justice and mercy into every aspect of life. Goes on to talk about what really matters. Verse 36 says, what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what what can they give in return for their life? Gaining the whole world. Ah, the pursuit of worldly success. Wealth, fame, power, material possession. Look what I have. Look at all my stuff. It's the idea of achieving everything, everything the world has to offer in terms of success and prosperity. Everything. I want it all. Give it to me. Gain the whole world. Forfeit their life. In the pursuit of worldly gain, we may lose sight of what truly matters in life. It could mean losing sense of our own purpose. It can mean compromising our spiritual well-being. It can mean compromising our connection with God. What shall it profit? Profit. This implies some type of a cost-benefit analysis. Many of us might do a profit and loss statement at work or have a budget or some type of income stream and we're looking at our money and so on and so forth. I wonder what would happen if we did a spiritual P&L statement looking at the profit and the loss. It questions whether or not these temporary pleasures and gains of worldly success are worth sacrificing our spiritual well-being and eternal life. Family, these verses challenge us to consider what truly matters. It suggests that spiritual fulfillment, our relationship with God, and living with a purpose that's beyond self and meaning are of far greater value than the fleeting pleasures and achievements of this world. All right, Charles, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So are you telling me that this means that as a Christian, as a child of God, that that we can't have material possessions? Is that what you're telling me, Charles? No, I'm not telling you that. Not saying well, well, does that mean that in my career, I can't have a career pursuit? I can't want to climb the corporate ladder. I can't want that next title. No, I'm not telling you that. Does it mean that it's ungodly to be achievement oriented and want to be successful? No, it does not mean that. This scripture cautions against prioritizing material wealth and worldly success above Spiritual well-being in our relationship with God. Choices. The key is the attitude and relationship we have toward the possessions and the success and the achievement. It's okay to have stuff. Don't let the stuff have us. We are encouraged and reminded to prioritize spiritual well-being and relationship with God over the pursuit of worldly success and material gain. It challenges us to consider the eternal consequences of our actions and our choices, urging us to seek a life that is rich, rich in spiritual fulfillment, rather, rather than merely accumulating worldly wealth and achievements that still leave us feeling empty. Family change can be unsettling because it forces us to relinquish control. However, we can find peace in knowing that God is sovereign in all things. Just as Jesus trusted in God's plan, we too can trust that God is working in all things together for our good. Despite despite the challenges of change, despite the choices that come our way, Jesus extends an invitation to follow him. He promises that those who lose their life for his sake, Choices will save it. This promise reminds us that while change may be hard, the choice to follow Jesus is ultimately the path to true life and fulfillment. Of all the choices we can make, Jesus is by far the greatest choice of all. Yes, family change can be hard, but Jesus does attempt, does attempt to make it as easy as possible for us. Yes, there will be work, but Jesus does attempt to help us out some. See, Jesus isn't like that game show host. Jesus is not a game show host. He's not going to make us guess which door to choose. He doesn't just choose the door for us. He opens it. He offers us his hand, inviting us to trust in him and his plan for our lives. As we navigate the changes that come our way, May we do so with faith, knowing that God is with us every step of the way, and may we choose Jesus. Thanks be to God.
2: all this time, the world rotates as I fall behind, change With all this fear, I push back, but it always stays here. How can I keep this pace? The damage done is now taken.
1: we will all face change. Yes, change can be hard. And yes, Jesus gives us us a choice in that face of change. Let's choose Jesus. And now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth now and forevermore. Let the church say amen. 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 Go in peace.
0: If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.